Hello and welcome to the Broadcast News Wrap, bringing you interviews with the biggest names in the world of TV. This week, we welcome a broadcasting titan, Melvin Bragg, the much-loved In Our Time and Southbank show presenter who, in later years, has taken up a seat in the House of Lords. Melvin talks through this rather special series of The Southbank Show, which has eschewed the A-listers of recent years to focus on the nation's best up-and-coming talent. He also has some stern words for the government over the potential privatisation of Channel 4 and gives us a window into the Bragg household by taking part in everyone's favourite What We've Been Watching segment. So welcome to a man who needs no introduction. It's Melvin Bragg, host of the South Bank Show, uh, amongst other things, and and, and a true broadcasting legend. Uh, Welcome, Melvin. It's lovely to have you on this week. Good to be here. Thank you. No problem. So we're we're here predominantly to talk about the the South Bank Show, um, which is midway through the series at the moment. You've got some awards coming up uh, next week. Uh, how, How has this series gone so far? I think it's gone very well. It was just an idea that came out of the blue, that instead of going for established figures on mega world <laughs> global artists, which we've been doing for 43 years on the South Bank show, um, 43 seasons, I thought, why not go to young people? What have they been doing in the pandemic? And we have this system for the awards, which is now in its 25th year, by getting the Times critics to spot the 20 most promising young people around, young being 20 to 30, they, they, ha- they have to have done something. Mm. Uh, Kamesu was there, uh, Stormzy was one, and on and on it went, Billy Piper when she was young. So it was a big list they got. And we used to say, well, here they are, and they stood up at the awards and everybody said, isn't that good? Uh, but I thought, why not devote the series to them? Well, the four programs, make 15 minute films of each of these 10 people, and uh, just do it like the South Bank show, except shorter. And it's been fantastically refreshing. Uh, most of them have never been interviewed on television before. Uh, most of them haven't had their work displayed on television before. And it's just been refreshing and the audience has responded well, the critics have responded very well. And I think, you know, let's see what how the dust settles after this little series is finished. But I think there might be something in it as a, as a thing in itself alongside the South Bank show. And I'd like to build on that before somebody else nicks the idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you're thinking potentially like a spin-off or something like that that continues to... I don't know. Phil Jones, who runs Sky Arts, is a very um, positive force and he's been a big backer of our programme. I'd like to talk to him about it. Mm. I think it's better than any of us could have thought it would. And partly because the young people concerned, I keep saying young people, I mean, we're talking about a man who's in a smash hit play, came from a council estate. We're talking about a pianist who's played in, in, in America, in the great venues in America. We're talking about somebody who's had an opera on. We're talking about somebody who beat us to the punch by having a, a hit um, before we've had the series. These are really clever, interesting, intelligent artists living in this country and doing all this last year, despite everything else that was going on. Mm. I mean, they're, they're an impressive bunch. And, uh, you know, I do hope England wins, but this England's doing pretty well. Mm. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And it, it really feels like you're um, showcasing diversity almost in, in all of its forms. Yeah, we do. I mean, we do that in the show. I mean, the South Bank show, from the beginning, I wanted diversity. I wanted to change the way arts programmes set out its stall. Usually, before that, it had been a pyramid. At the top was classical music and then ballet and then uh, and that's and high opera and also that's fine. 
But what about popular music? What about television drama? What about stand-up comedians, often as good as suppose? What about that? What about photography? So I wanted to bring all that in, and we did bring it in. I mean, instead of starting with the London, with the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra, we started with Paul McCartney to show that we were serious. Our first play wasn't a West End play. It was Dennis Potter's television play, although we had the, uh, something from the Royal Shakespeare Company lined up. And we've developed that, and we just kept that going for the awards, and the Times critics picked up that idea, and there's 10 categories that they pick people from for this uh, this, this new new series. Mm, mm. And, and the, the TV industry at the moment is very focused on, on diversity and, and promoting voices yeah. that maybe have been underrepresented. So do you feel like you're going some way to kind of aiding with that wider push? Very much so, but the important thing is that we're doing it effortlessly. We're not saying, oh, we must go for diversity. The Times say, who's the best, but turns out to be somebody, somebody from the, turns out to be a diverse collection. Somebody who was born in Colombia, somebody who's brought up in half, half Nigerian. So it's all over the place, which is great. Mm. But we don't sit down and say, we are going to do it like this. Just it turns out they're very good. Mm. Excellent. No, that's really, really good to hear. And, and it's been a, such a difficult year for the arts, hasn't it? Um, the pandemic. Uh, you, you, you would say that the arts is one of the industries that has been most impacted by the pandemic. Um, so did you, in part, want to be able to, to showcase this younger talent in order to, to kind of elevate people at what's been a very difficult time? Yes, certainly, to encourage, yes, and to show that it was still going on. And it's been a very difficult time for the arts. What do you do if an actor when all the theatres are closed? What if you do sing when you can't sing in any operas or, because they're closed? Too? What do you do if you're a musician, if... People are not allowed to come to listen to orchestras. It's been very, very difficult. But the one thing I'd say about the arts, two things I'd say is that they're massively underestimated. Massively. Why doesn't this country turn into the arts country? I mean, Italy makes its uh, living really out of wine. That's okay. Uh, why don't we make it out of the arts? We're already one of the leading countries in the world per capita. It's already a... a it brings billions to this country from a small investment. Just keep going on investing. Lots of other things are failing and collapsing. Put more money into the arts. Make us the country of the arts. Why not? The arts is now, as well as being a great pleasure and a, a repository of the imagination, the arts is a great driving economic force. Mm. What do you do when you've got a run-down town? You put an arts centre there. What happens? It starts to come together. It's a driver of cities. It's a driver of uh, people, culture. It brings schools together. What do you do if the school's in a bad way? You have a school choir. You try to get a school orchestra. Effect. Then what happens? The school is transformed and moves forward. We haven't realized the gold plate we've got in the arts. We just haven't got it. The penny hasn't dropped because these blundering people uh, in Westminster flat around and their, their heads are in the clouds of the 1930s, 40s, 50s, even 60s. They're not with what's happening now. So that's the first thing I'd say about the arts. The second thing is, the extraordinary thing is how flexible they are. They're used to being out of work, a lot of these people, and they get back in work again. They're used to not, not being conscious, so they don't play and so on. They're used to, to, they're not being cast in that place, so they're looking for another play. There's still this sort of vagabond part of the arts, which is mm. they take chances. So that's very encouraging for the flexible economy we've got to be. So for these two reasons, I think the arts is massively underappreciated. I don't by by the politicians, of course, and they'd rather give money to. I don't know what they're giving money to. Well, a lot of, 
care and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. If they want to make this country an in, uh, a rich country, again, a really rich in every sense, put money in the arts. It has never failed since 1945. It's taken not one backward step. That penny doesn't seem to have dropped in the Westminster region. Completely, completely. It's good. It's good to hear you speaking so so passionately about what is such an important topic. Um, what what have been? Uh, can you name a couple of your highlights of this series? Like maybe who have been your favourite people to have spoken to of of these rising stars? Ah, uh, you can't. That's two. I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> they're ten. Ter they're terrific people. Ten mm. of them. I'm not going to pick it out. There is one winner who will be announced when the South Bank Show Awards <clears throat> uh, in a couple of weeks' time. But no, it's not fair. And even the winner, which everybody was saying should, it was so closely run. Mm. Now, that, not, it's the only question of yours I'm not going to answer. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I thought that might be the case. <laughs> Do you feel like, so Sky Arts has, of course, gone free to air. Um, so. Yeah being able to, to appeal to a wider audience. Do, do, you, do you feel like this series in particular has maybe uh, attracted a, a younger demographic or a more underserved demographic? Are, are you getting new audiences watching? I hope so. We haven't had time to examine it yet. And in a way, going free to air, it might have been clever of us to go on for Helen Mirren and people like mm. that. But we went the other way. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, how it's gone. In a sense, and I don't think this is going to build up audiences as big as if we had had Albert Miller and so on. But on the other hand, it might be, it might be planting a seed which would grow much bigger than anything we dreamt could. Mm. could because there's that, that, those people uh, of that age, which, people, which, which uh, advertisers and executives want to watch television, people under 30 who are doing these things. And one of the things people like to see on television is people like themselves. Mm. Mm. And these people are doing the sort of thing they're doing and starting very often from scratch. I mean, you'd be surprised at some of the backstories of these 10 people. You really would. Uh, they came out of, you know, the Sina, they came out of nowhere, they scrambled up, it was luck, it was action. But above all, it was a persistence and talent, talent turning into tremendous talent. These are really talented people. Mm. Mm. Completely, completely. And what can we expect from, from the awards shows? Is, is it going to be like... Uh what one of your one of your favorites for a while well it's the 25th south <laughs> mm. show has been going for 43 years which is the 25th awards anniversary well there's nothing like it in the world i mean for once the boris johnson thing there's nothing like it in the world. it's true this is true <laughs> it's entirely through the arts uh it's entirely through the british arts and i think i hope because of the restrictions being lifted we can do what we usually do it's a mm -hmm. it's a lavish event because it's a lavish celebration we have trumpeters from the royal house of cavalry we have awards given by people who themselves have won enormous awards uh, um, and their performances live performances we've got all sorts of people giving live performances top opera singers top piano and so so it's a terrific event and if we can get back to the uh, celebratory nature of it and to the idea of in this one room there are three or four hundred people who themselves represent the best of the arts and some of these are winners and some of these have been winners and some of these will be winners if we can get back to that feeling then that's good great stuff great stuff so that airs on the 22nd of july um, and yeah I'm, I'm sure uh multiple people will be tuning in that sounds that sounds fantastic and you you've been speaking so passionately about this and and something uh, else uh, that you've recently been been speaking quite passionately about um, uh, that's appeared in various newspapers is, is more general talk on the, the public service broadcasting landscape. Obviously, yeah. this is a it's a really changing time. We've got a consultation into 
the privatization of Channel 4. There's a lot of talk around the BBC's funding model and how that could be reshaped over time. What, what do you think of the current landscape in, in public service broadcasting? Well, taking one at a time, I think the, attack on, the attacks on Channel 4 are entirely political and they're nothing whatsoever to do with broadcasting. And we are broadcasters. And that is set, was set up as a broadcasting channel for broadcasters to make those, and it exploded the English scene. The independence had a place, a bigger place than it ever had before to make and show their films. And it was tremendously, look at the record of Channel 4, mm. Oscars they've won, the films they've done, their news projections, their documentaries. It is ridiculous to sell it for a million, a billion or whatever they're going to sell it for, flog it off, got nothing to do with anything. What's a billion going to help when they waste money on tax and when, when you, every time you open a newspaper, they wasted more money on something. This is an efficient part of a complex and successful broadcasting ecology. That's what it is. And, it, it's, a, and it's, it's on terrific form, despite a lot of competition and not some very big budgets. What are they doing it for? It's political. Mm. It's mm. political. They want to control broadcasting. And as soon as they let them control broadcasting, broadcasting will die. Their hands have got to be kept off it. It's bad enough that they bullied the BBC into becoming part of social services by having to pay uh, old age pensioners, let the old age pensioners let, let off, don't pay the license fee. I'm all in favor of that, but mm. the government should pay for that. Not you as a license fee payer, you pay for programs. That's what you pay for. That's what your license fee is for. So I think keep them off. As for the, as for the greater picture, I think the BBC has got a tough fight on its hands um, because of all the other networks piling in now, far more money. But look at it, they're doing very well. There's some of the dramas, Good Mercurio, um, uh, the, um, Jim McGovern, lots of dramatists are thriving. Um, the series are doing, are doing well, the news is still very, very sound, and the radio is unparalleled in the world. The radio network, one, two, three, four, five, and six, mm. there's nowhere else in the world, this is again, we can say, there's nowhere else in the world as diverse, as niche-ridden, <coughs> and as, as, as niche-rich, I meant to say, as niche-rich, these tiny programs, Gardener's World, philosophy programs, this program, that program, they're a, might, they're a tremendous force gathered together. And if we lose that, we're out of our minds. Mm. We are. One of, I mean, one of the things that this country is, is admired for still, despite, despite the best efforts of some of our politicians to ruin our reputation, one of the things this country is most admired for is its broadcasting. Mm. And you go around, yeah, yeah, I got trouble around. Yeah, we like this. We'll listen to that. Well, I wish we could do that. We'll imitate that, this sort of thing, that sort of thing. And, we, and the bedrock of the broadcasting is the BBC. The BBC sets the gold standard. Sometimes it fails. Of course, sometimes it fails. Everybody sometimes fails. That's not the point. The point is that it's there. Mm. The point is that it belongs to this country. The point is that it's unique. The point is that it works. And if we get rid of it, we'll never resurrect it. And if we chip away at it, we'll weaken it so that it's beyond resurrection. I think we should march for the BBC. I'd rather march for the BBC than lots of other things they march for. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and what can, you know, you, you, you've been a huge defender of, of the, the public service broadcasting landscape for a while. What, what can people such as yourself and, and other people in, in the public eye um, do to, to help argue for the likes of Channel 4 to, to avoid what you're describing happening? 
I'll do what I'm doing now. I mean, talk publicly about it, sign, sign things about it, lobby about it, talk about it in Parliament, get a consistency behind it that tells people to stop doing this. Mm. Can you tell me the game of a government that gets billions and billions and billions of pounds a year in our taxes to perhaps get one more billion pounds out of selling Channel 4? What's the game? It's mm. a billion pounds, which they'll probably chuck away on some damn fool thing. And what you're going to sacrifice is a tremendously, it's a powerful, they'll pretend the channel will be the same. Of course it won't. It'll be a different channel. And the channel that Channel 4 has turned out to be is a, is a remarkable, effective cha channel in doing high quality television, developing independence, as I said earlier in this conversation, if you kept that bit in, which mm. helps the, this country to be so rich in doing the arts. One of the reasons is we've got a lot of filmmakers. We didn't have that years of independent filmmakers. We, don't, we haven't had that for years. That isn't part of our tradition. Drama is. The filmmaking isn't. But the independent film industry in this country, which is extremely powerful, grew or was given a very boost by Channel 4. Mm. Now, what are we throwing that away for? It's madness. It's madness and it's political. Let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade. They, they don't like its independence. So if they get rid of Channel 4, what are they going to try to get rid of? Next? We've got to stop them doing that. They don't know what's really good. That's my view. Mm. I think this will make money or this is effective or we have, but they don't know what's, re what's really good about this country. What's working about this country are the universities uh, and broadcasting. Uh, and the city of London, these three, but those three are working. Look after them, develop them, make them bigger and better. And then we'll be okay. Mm. Mm. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And, and I think I think I completely agree with you in that it's a drop in the ocean, isn't it? Like the, the argument for the government making money out of Channel 4 is, is, is moot almost for, for, for that reason. Yes. It's rubbish. And when you look at the what Channel 4 spread, the spin-offs, the films that have won prize, that everybody pays taxes for that sort of thing. They probably made more than a billion pounds in the last few years just in taxes and returns. Before you go, Melvin, we, we love to ask our guests uh, what they've been watching on TV. Uh, we are predominantly a TV podcast. So so what 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 have you been watching recently? Well, I have watched a bit of football. Mm. <laughs> My Good. son and I have been watching. I think the best thing I've seen recently is time. Mm. Jimmy McGovern's time. I mean, he, he is one of the best playwrights in the country, full stop. And television is part of the playwriting in this country. It does, just, doesn't just happen on the stage. It happens on television and on radio. But time, what a chance he took with that. Um, it was very bleak, brilliant. Uh, relentless, and he you, you felt he got there, like he did with Cracker, like he did with uh, Hillsborough. So that's the best thing I've seen. Um, that's the best thing I've seen. Mm, yeah, I, I love time. I, I said that last week for my what we've been watching. It was fantastic. Re really yeah. interested Sean Bean. He was, he was excellent. Look, Mel Melvin, it's been so nice having you on. Thank you for talking us through the South Bank show. Thank you for talking about wider issues. Uh, it's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Broadcast News Wrap. I've been Max Goldbart, and you've been listening to the legend, Melvin Bragg. This podcast was edited by me, Max Goldbart. You can listen to all 51 past episodes of the News Wrap on Spotify, iTunes, or on the website via www.broadcastnow.com.
www.thepodcast.co.uk.